Hello, everyone, and welcome to Run402, the podcast, a show where we interview local runners in Nebraska and make running relatable. Welcome to season two of Run402, the podcast. I'm your host, Sarah. We've been going for six months. We have about 5,000 plays, and this podcast blew up in ways that I would have never even imagined. When I started this podcast in the beginning of June, I was afraid that only me and my cousin were going to listen to it. But you guys, my listeners out there, you're out here, you're supporting it, um, and thank you so much. I cherish each and every play, and I'm just so excited to start a new season. Uh, This season, I'd like to include more interaction, like listener mail, um... I have a lot of cool interviews lined up. I have a lot of cool races I'm going to be at, uh, doing some episodes while, while we're out there. So I'm really looking forward to these next six months being season two. Uh, today, we have a really cool episode. I reached out on Facebook asking if we had any vets or vet techs in the area willing to do this episode. And Tom from my market to market team he was like you have to interview Amanda she's really great so today we are interviewing Amanda Forge from Pitts Veterinary Clinic over in Lincoln I recently got a dog at the end of October and I love taking her on runs but the whole time I'm just kind of paranoid I'm like am I doing what's right is this what's best for her um I just kind of used my gut and like knowing her, but it was, it was just so great to get a vet on a show, on the show and get all my questions answered and hopefully some of yours too. I know a lot of us are running with our four-legged friends, so I think this episode will answer all your questions and if you have more questions, Amanda happily said she'd come back on the show for just like a question and answer, so definitely reach out to me on Facebook or Instagram at run402 the podcast with all those questions. But this episode's real juicy, uh, really helpful. So let's get going. Hello, everyone. Welcome to run402 the podcast. Today is a zoom version as I am interviewing Amanda Forge from Pitts Veterinary Hospital over in Lincoln. Um, didn't want to make the drive today and I'm feeling a little sick, but today we're going to talk about all things dogs. Welcome, Amanda. Hello. So Amanda is a runner and she's also a veterinarian and also a dog owner. So today we were going to talk about how Amanda got into running, um, a little bit about her dogs and then some safety tips while running with the dog, especially because it's December. If you're listening to this, when this comes out, um, And there's just a lot of, I just adopted a dog and I had a lot of questions, even just for me personally, like when's too cold? Um, You know, we live in an apartment. I need to exercise or somehow. So we'll talk about all those things. Yeah. All right. So what year did you start running? Um, So I basically started running pretty consistently in 2019, I think is when I first started. So um, I had made a new year's resolution that I wanted to run a thousand miles, just kind of out of nowhere. I've never really run before that. And I was like, Nope, just going to do it. And so, uh, yeah, I just started running that year. Um, I 
figured out it was like I fitted like three miles a day or something like that. I could pretty much easily get that done in um in a in a year's time. And so I figured I was like, well, you know, um, it's a half hour every day if I do it, you know, about ten miles or two ten minute miles and everything like that. I'm like, I'm pretty sure I can at least um spend that much time on myself every day and make sure that I can do something along those lines. Um, part of the reason that I had chosen to do that too, was I had just recently got a border collie. Um, they are a very high energy active breed and I wanted to get him active and move him a little bit more. Um, but then also have, uh, that time to make myself healthy and, and things along those lines. Um, so they said that was, a the way I figured I would compromise, uh, for the, for the both of us is to keep, to keep both of us moving. Yeah. A thousand miles though. That's big number. <laughs> yeah. That, I don't know why I picked that number. I saw a friend on Facebook who was a consistent runner decide to do that. And she had it done by like July. And I was like, if she did it by July, I could probably do it in a year. And I don't know why <laughs> I, was, I was that motivated, but I was like, like you said, I, I feel like if I spend a half an hour a day, you know, that's a pretty good, you know, as far as, as humans go anyway, you know, active, um, healthy lifestyle anyway, is getting that 30 minutes in every day. Um, so that was my goal. Um, you guys may get to hear my pups playing here in the background, actually, too. I don't know how good my microphone is, but okay. be some barking. <laughs> yeah. So tell us about your border collie. Yeah, so Aiden is four years old now, um, and then I have a two-year-old lab thinking I was like, okay, well, now I've got two high active energy breeds, so I could get them both moving. Um, Aiden uh, is the Border Collie, and Xander is my lab. Um, Aiden has, uh, um, Aiden was supposed to be the one that I you know, did all my stuff with and I kept moving around. Um, and <laughs> they don't know how to share toys. That's part of the problem here. <laughs> um, but like I said, Aiden was the one that I, I wanted to be active with and I wanted to do stuff with. And so um, he was my, he was going to be my running partner. And so when I first started running, I didn't take him out initially because I did start in January um, and it was pretty cold at that point. I didn't really want to run outside. I did have a treadmill available to me. So I just chose to start building up my own, you know, stamina and everything at home. Um, and so I started working with that. Once it started getting a little bit nicer out, that's when I started working with him. Um, and so what I did at, to at least get him started into running, um, you know, I didn't want to hit him with the three miles every day, kind of like I did. Um, so what I would do is I would run my three miles and then I would take him, um, on either the lat, like I would basically swing back to my house and I would pick him up and I would do one more mile. So one, I was a little bit more tired, so he, it was a little slower. Um, but then also he's only running a mile cause I don't want to run much more than that after I was doing my three. Um, so progressively I started doing that. Then what I started doing was like, okay, now I'll take, I'll do two miles and then I'll swing back and I'll pick him up and then I'll do two, another two miles with him. And so that's kind of how I worked him into getting to a stage where he could run with me consistently from the beginning of the run. Um, so for our own, um, narrative, uh, Aiden apparently was not a huge fan of running, um, progressively as we started working into running more and more I realized that like he he was not interested um we would be you know two miles from the house and all of a sudden he would lay down I'd almost clothesline him because I didn't see him stop 
but he would lay down and be like, I don't want to go any further. This is it. This is all I'm doing. <laughs> and so I was like, oh, okay, well, you know, I, I really can't help you here, hun. I was like, we still have two miles to go home. Even if you want to stop running now, we still have to get back to the house. Um, so progressively, you know, we kind of worked, um, I started learning when he was more willing to run, I guess, with me. And so usually cooler, if we did it in the morning, he was more willing to go. He said, I stopped taking him on really long runs. Um, I don't think he really goes over, you know, four miles now. Um, and I feel like he's pretty content with that. Like I said, if it's cool enough and everything, he's got a really thick coat as far as border, border collies go too. So I think that's part of it, um, is that he gets really hot really easily. So like in the summertime, like I had to be real diligent about getting up super early so that it was when it was cooler and it was going to be safe for him to run. Um, he's also, I have both my dogs are black dogs. So again, even walking them in the summertime and everything, I had to be really focused on when I was doing that. Um, just because the heat from the sun even is going to be so much worse on them too. Um, so uh, he said progressively, he kind of weaned himself out of the running for me. But um, he said when we were in the winter time or when we were um, like cooler spring mornings, fall mornings, stuff like that, he was a lot more willing to do it. We went on like a, a nine mile run one time because it was raining and he loved that. <laughs> So it's just a little, just like I said, sometimes it depends on the dog if they like it or not. And um, like I said, Aiden is much more an agility dog. And so that's what I do with him now. And so instead of doing running, we stay active by doing tunnels and jumps and dog walks and things like that. And I think the part of the reason he struggled so much with the running is because he didn't have to think during it. And Border Collies are such a smart breed. Um, and so he he did not have to to do anything except for running a line. And I think it bored him to be honest. <laughs> and so with the agility, he has to think, he has to know, he has to turn, he has to listen, he has to, you know, do everything quickly too. And so I feel like that is much more his speed, um, which is, which is nice that we have found that that compromise as well, so that we can still do something fun together that we both enjoy doing. And he actually does enjoy doing it. That's really cool. Um, could you kind of walk us through like, you know, the differences in like humans running versus dogs running? Like, you know, we sweat, they have different mechanisms. Excuse me. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, they, um, uh, as far as dogs working out, you know, they're, it, it depends on the breed a lot too. Um, you know, the things I would do with Aiden, I wouldn't necessarily do with Xander just because um, well, Xander's got other issues. Um, he was, he was born with his legs a little bit too curved. And so his knees were kind of popping out of socket is what was, what was happening. So he'd go to run and he'd get stuck in this like bunny hop position. And so, um, we've, we've had an ordeal trying to get his legs fixed, but, um, he's had three surgeries. He's only two now, but, um, he's done very well since then. So we took him to the park the other day and they were, they were running together and it was honestly a really good sight for me to, to get to see um, that he could finally enjoy being, you know, the dog that he's always wanted to be and couldn't do because of his, because of his legs. Um, but um, he said, I think um, the biggest thing is, yeah, they, they don't sweat like humans do. They can't tell you when they're too hot other than like we're just saying in Aiden, Aiden would lay down. Um, you know, he'd be like, Hey, I'm done. I'm, I'm too, I'm too hot for this. I can't keep going. And so, 
Um, you know, there's been many a time where I've seen people with short face breed dogs, like French bulldogs or um, regular bulldogs, things like that, where they take them on a walk, but they're sitting underneath the shade of a tree for a period of time because they need that that minute, that extra minute. And um, like I said, with the the shorter face breeds, they said they have a little bit more trouble breathing as it is just due to their mouth and their nose and um, that that natural um, movement of airflow is not as good. So you kind of have to take that into consideration when you're walking those breeds, um, pugs, shih tzus, things along those lines. Um, uh, bigger dogs, um, ones that have a longer nose, they tend to do a little bit better. They can be a little bit more active. Um, and so, uh, you know, they, like I said, you can't, they don't sweat. So, um, usually panting is how they release a lot of their, their heat. Um, and they can only do that so quickly. And so, um, getting all of that out, um, takes time. Um, if you were ever worried about, you know, getting too hot or things along those lines for the dogs, um, getting their paw pads wet and then um, their ears actually are a way that they release a lot of heat. Um, if you can cool them down, um, you know, water, um, fans, things like that, um, doing a lot of cooling on their underbelly and things like that, that's going to help release a lot of that heat. Um, so that's, that's one way that you can help. Um, but like I said, if you, if you go early in the morning um, or if you are just very diligent about like what the temperature is and things along those lines, you can really control how well they will they can do when when they're exercising with you do you have any like temperature parameters that you'd recommend as a vet um these are my own personal ones i don't think there's any specific things um you know i know aiden will run better in the 45 to 60 range like i said earlier in the morning when it's a lot cooler anything below that they're probably fine too um, once you're hitting that 75, 80, you know, things like that, um, they said it, maybe if it's a lighter coat breed, um, or one that doesn't have as much fur, they can probably do okay. But I start getting worried closer to the 80, 90, 90 range, even for walk sometimes, as long as they're not a really long walk. And then with it being December and cooler and everything, it's, it's a little bit different, um, you know, dogs, dogs adapt really well. Um, you know, there's dogs that live outside. Um, and when those dogs come into our clinic and, and I try to put an IV in one of those, their, their skin is so much thicker than a dog that lives inside all the time. And it's just their, their bodies have adjusted to the, to the climate and the weather that they're in. And so when they're outside and they're cold all the time, um, they say they do get that thicker skin a little bit. And that's wild. Yeah, it's 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 crazy. And you can tell even in even in outdoor cats, like you can tell that their skin is a lot thicker and it's a lot harder to put an IV in. It's weird. Um, but yeah, they the the adjustment and that's kind of part of what I was gonna say about um working them into running too, is that you know, when you're if you're worried about their feet. Um, with the cold and everything like that, um, you know, you could always do booties or something like that. I know a lot of dogs don't like those and that's something you have to get them used to if you're going to do it. But again, if you build them up to that, you know, they're going to create calluses on their feet and they will be able to run in that cooler weather if they're more used to it before it gets to the point where it might get, you know, when it's, when it's really cold out, excuse me. So, um, gosh, goodness. Uh, so yeah, I think, you know, working, working them up to being able to run is, is always going to be a good, a good, 
process to get them into doing the level of work that you want them to do. Yeah. Are there any concerns about like salt, you know, that they use to like melt ice? Yeah, I feel like there's always a concern because you don't know what other people use. Um, and I think that a lot of the companies out there have, you know, taken into account that people do have dogs and animals and that they do want to help protect them. Um, and I think that there are some people out there that know that people run past with their animals and they want to make sure that they don't put something down that's that's painful, but they you never know. And so, you know, you could always, you know, looking at your dog's feet after every run is never going to be a bad thing. Um, even during the run, sometimes I can't tell you how often I've, you know, I've been running with Aiden and like, he's acting off and just something's weird. And I'm just like, I don't know. You're not like, it's not your normal. I don't want to run. It's like something different. And I've checked between his toes and he's had like a, a sand burr or whatever it is. And so, you know, I, it, it's just something that happens. They just run over something that they weren't supposed to, and it gets stuck in their feet. You know, they've got a lot of fur in there. That's what those things are for. Um, and those, they're, those burrs are trying to get someplace else. Um, and so they hook onto what they can. And he said, you just gotta be diligent when you're running with them since they really can't give you a heads up about what's going on. Um, yeah. Um, so then talking about dogs, like what do you, is there any reason to like limit how far a dog can go if the dog seems happy? Yeah. And so, and that's, that's a good question. Um, because honestly, if Aiden would have liked running more, I probably would have ran him farther. So probably no. Um, I said there's, there's probably a, a distance that's probably too far. Like I, I don't think dogs need to be running more than five or six, to be honest. And said they shouldn't really be running half marathons. Um, some of them like it and, you know, and if they're happy and running with you and they like, you know, you, you come back to the house and you want to leave again and they're, they're right there with you and they want to go, um, you know, you know, your dog better than, than anybody else. <laughs> I said, you're going to know what, um, what's normal for them. And if they're real tired or if they, you know, go and lay down the air vent, like Aiden does, you know, I know he's pretty much done when, <laughs> when we get home. So, um, you, you have an idea about what's okay, but you know, there, and then the other side of that too, is, you know, if, you know, Aiden technically is a herding breed, and so if we were working, you know, if I had cattle and everything else and it takes us, you know, however many hours and he's got to run that whole time to corral whatever I have as far as livestock, you know, that they don't stop just because they're, you know, there's, they're tired. Um, you know, they keep working until that's done. So like there is a little bit of that too, where there's, there's that natural energy that they have. But if you think about it too, there's probably multiple multiple dogs that are um working uh, a herd like that so it's, there's probably some rest that occurs it's not a constant jog the whole time it's a little bit different um so like i said i feel like most of them you know probably five miles is is plenty if you're going to do something like that but um the one thing i was going to bring up would be that there there is an age where you you want to wait until they're at least that old before you start running them um, most dogs, it's probably a year old. Some of the larger breed dogs, you want to wait a little longer even just because they are still developing at a year old, um, like Great Danes, St. Bernard's, things like that. Um, you know, they, uh, they're very, they're going to be growing at least until two years. Like some of them don't hit puberty until two years old anyway. Um, so giving them that time to develop is important. 
um, running as, as in humans, you know, in dogs and everything, their cartilage is soft when they're young. And so you don't want to be causing damage to their, um, to their bones and, and everything when they're that young, uh, and create issues down the line. Um, and so, um, for, I know for agility, they don't even let animal or they don't even let dogs compete until they're at least 15 months old. So I would say, you know, somewhere between 12 months and 15 months is probably safe, um, to wait until you start, <clears throat> until you start training them to do some of that more long distance running and everything. Um, that doesn't mean that you can't walk them anywhere, you know, you want for any large distance too, is that they usually they can walk just fine. It's that, that pounding of the running, um, that can then damage the joints a little bit more. So we want to be really safe with that. Yeah, I heard people saying that before, um, and I just didn't know why. So thanks for providing that insight. I'm like, well, I don't know. I've seen like kindergartners run a mile, you know. Right. So. Yep. And like I said, and it's short. That's technically a short distance too, is when when they're that little and everything. So like I said you can you can walk them and you can train them um, into walking next to you and and working on that while you're trying to get them used to constantly being there while you run and then you could probably do short distances you could probably do like around the block or something like that or just a couple times just so that they get used to the idea of okay now we're doing it quicker we're running faster next to next to mom and so or next to dad whoever it is that's that's running and so yeah but I think that you just you don't want to do something that's going to cause them pain in the future yeah um can we talk about like collars or harnesses or like what kind of leashes are best yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's a, that's a good question. And uh, I've, I've struggled with this myself um, because Aiden was so good. <laughs> he was so good when I was training him and has that because he's one of the smarter breeds and everything and that he's food motivated. And it made it very easy for me to train him. When I, when I first got him, he was eight weeks old and he knew every trick I knew by the end of the first weekend. And I was like, okay, well, my dog is smarter than I am here. So we're going to have to, we're going to have to get on top of this. So um, he's always had just a regular collar and leash. Um, uh, Xander, I came to me, he was a rescue. And so he was about six months old when I got him and he had a lot of, um, habits that I wasn't super fond of that I've never had to deal with, with Aiden, but, um, like jumping up on people, pulling on the leash, things along those lines. He like tried to barrel into the closet where the food was when we first, when we went to feed him the first time. Um, so I said, we, we, he has been my child that I've been working to get some of those manners back that, um, he didn't quite get like Aiden does. Um, so like I said, Aiden was real easy. Basically what I started doing was when I was doing those leash walking, um, I was training him to walk next to me all the time. Um, and honestly it was in the summer when I first got him newborn in May. And so after eight weeks, puts you kind of June, July area. And so, um, it was, it was pretty warm out. And so what I did was, uh, I actually took him to Lowe's every day and I walked him up and down the aisles of Lowe's every day. And that's how I trained him into walking with me. And I found that a lot of time that's a really good place in the winter when people want to start working with their animals. Um, you know, you can go to Lowe's at home, Shields, uh, Home Depot. There's a lot of places in the winter that you can take your animal that they don't have to be outside um, and you don't have to be outside, but you can work on training things. Um, and you know, it's very good place with, for distractions. You know, there's people that want to pet your dog. There's, you know, there's, there's lots of things to smell and sniff and look at and all that stuff. Um, 
But like, that's where I started working with Aiden because it, it gave me um, that time that I could work with him, but he's not outside and it's not too hot. Um, Cause I usually got out of work around three or four. And by that point in the day, that's really, that was a really hot time in July too. Um, so what I had trained him was, was basically with treats. Um, so you, you would just, what I was taught is you, you only give a treat when they're at your side, you don't give it with your hand forward. You don't give it when they're behind you, you got to give it right at your hip. It's almost, if you keep your hand on the seam of your pants, that's kind of where you want to hand treats out because they figure out that I'm like, Oh, if I'm right here, this is where the treats are. If you give it to them and they're all the way at the end of your leash, then you're not, you're not rewarding where you want them to be. So that, that helps, that helped him a lot. Um, I also would stop. And if I stopped, he, I would teach him to sit. And so then anytime that I stopped, he would sit down next to me. And then I would, so then that way he was always right next to my side. Um, so like I said, he was real easy to work with. It was, it was, it made me feel like I actually knew what I was doing as a, as a dog parent, which was nice. Um, but, uh, like I said, when I, when I got Xander, I got a little shock of real world <laughs> that I'm not always the perfect trainer either. Um, so him, I, he was a little bit different. Um, I did choose to use one of the pinch collars for him. Um, I did everything I possibly could with the food training, exactly how I tried to treat Aiden. Um, we went to the store all the time, probably a little less often because now I have two dogs. So Aiden always wanted to go and you always feel bad when you only take one somewhere. <laughs> so, um, but I, like I said, I felt like I did everything I could as far as um, getting him to stay next to me. And um, he just was having a lot of trouble with it. And so I did choose to try one of the pinch collars for him. Um, he was, he was standing next to me after three minutes working with it. So like, it, I think it really does depend on the dog for some of those things. Um, so I did the, the thing with the pinch collar though, which I think a lot of people are concerned about is that you're going to hurt them. Um, if you are doing it properly, you shouldn't be hurting them. Um, if they are pulling against it, then, then it's not working. Um, you know, you should be doing quick, light, tugs on it and you want to pull them in the direction that you want them to be. So if they're pulling off to your right, you pull them to the left so that they come to you, but it's like quick, quick hand movements, quick, short ones. So you don't want to be these long pulls or anything where you can hurt them. You want to do these quick, like, Oh, it's, it's supposed to feel like a little pinch and then it pulls their attention back to what you're to what you are doing so that they're focused on you. Um, so that's one that I've used. Like I said, Xander does a lot better with that one. Um, ones that I've used in the past where I've had friends that have let me walk their dogs and things like that. And I'll run with their dog. Um, I didn't have a dog in vet school, but I knew a friend who had a border collie and she was a little less active than I was. So she was okay with me taking the dog all the time. And so he had something called the gentle leader. Um, and so I don't know if you've seen those, but basically it, it goes over the nose and then it goes, it connects under the chin and it goes behind the head. Um, so it kind of creates this like V shape there, but it does the same thing. It creates a little pinch on the bridge of their nose. So they don't, and they don't like that. So they don't pull as much because they're, um, focused on, on, on that feeling. Um, so again, I said, so that would be, that's one that I've seen people use before. And then there's the pinch ones that are harnesses that kind of pinch in the front. It's the same kind of thing. You're, you're using that to help control them or show them that this is not what I want you to be doing. And so if you're not, if you do what I want, it's not going to pinch you kind of thing. Um, so there, there are a bunch of leashes and collars out there. 
Um, I know there's some people that do like them pulling because um, they there's a whole category of like actual mushing and stuff like that. I forget what it's called, um, but people will like wear rollerblades and teach their dog to pull and then their dog can just pull them. And that's how they exercise their dogs that are bigger breeds and things like that too. So um, I haven't seen anybody do that, but I've, I've definitely, my neighbor um, uses a skateboard and he's got two bigger dogs and one of them's a Husky. And so he definitely just lets that dog pull him around on the skateboard as part of his. Terrifying. His yeah. It, it's people are clever sometimes, you know, and it's just a, it's just a different way of doing stuff, but you know, it depends on what your goal is. You know, are you trying to exercise yourself too, or are you just trying to get your dog tired so that you can do a load of laundry? You know what I mean? So um, yeah, it just, it just depends. <laughs> yeah. Well, all of this has been like super interesting. Um, like just things that you don't think about until you get a dog and you're like, okay, so I want to run with you. And you're like, now what? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. It's a, it's something you got to build up. I mean, you said build them to that strength and that stamina, just like it took you guys time to, to get to that point too. Um, you know, they, they do get tired after a point and, you know, and you may need to give them a day or two after the first one, just because you said you'll be, you'd be sore after your first run, if you hadn't run for a while either. And so, um, I know Aiden is so tired after his agility trials and things, they run like track meets where you have like a, you have an event every so often and then, but you've got like five events in the day kind of thing. And so usually the next day he's super, super tired. And I basically just give him the day off because I was like, yeah, you don't need to run anymore. You're pretty well set for a while here. And um, no kidding. Do they do that in Lincoln? Um, yeah, they do it a lot of places. Um, I am part of the Greater Lincoln Obedience Club. So that's where um, majority of our stuff kind of stems from. I think they tend to get the fairgrounds in um, Wahoo is where we'll actually run um, the trial in one of the like cattle barns basically. Um, and so they got two corrals that are set up on each side and they set up the course in there and then they give you, um, course information. And there's like I said, the rules and stuff that you're supposed to do for each of the events and stuff. And so, um, you know, there's those sometimes in Gretna Papillion. Um, but I know there's, there's a nationals and everything for it. And, um, there's different levels. Aiden's at, he's, he's level five in, two events I think but then there's six other events that he's like level two or three because we just started getting into it which is fine and like I said and I'm I'm not really looking for nationals or anything like that I think it'd be cool to get to go to at least once but um he said it's that for me is bonding time with my with my boy and so I said I want to to do that with him and enjoy my time with him and do something that um you know he he does well and um it's always it's always so frustrating when when something goes wrong because 95 percent of the time it's the handler's fault um you know i send him i i turn my body in a way that makes it look like he needs to run to the tunnel instead of a jump you know even though he would have taken the jump 90 percent of the time anyway like there's no reason he would have ever gone to the tunnel but it just just that day that was different and whatever i did it, threw him off. <laughs> and so you go back and you watch the videos and you're like, why would you do that? And you look and you're like, oh, I, I did that to you. I'm sorry. <laughs> so <laughs> that's really cool. Um, so if any, if someone wanted to get involved in like the agility things, kind of where would they start? Yeah, that's a good question. And so I think, um, a lot of times getting part of a club, um, I think in Omaha, 
there's um the companion dog club i believe is one of them that's up there i feel like they're the ones that run the ones that are in papillion and things like that so i'm assuming you said getting part of a club would be an easy way to to start with that a lot of those places have classes and so that's what i ended up doing was um i i found the lincoln obedience club and i uh took him to um it's like level one through three or something like that. And then once you're after the third level of agility, then you can do, um, you can be, you can join the club and then you can get some of the higher um, classes and things like that. And so um, I said, we're, we've, we've done that for a, a year or two now. And so getting to do those classes helps you learn how to do the teeter totter and walk and teach them how to walk across the dog walk and go over the A-frame and um, get them used to going through a tunnel because it's not something that they do all the time. And it can be kind of scary if they don't know what it is, you know, and the tunnel, if you think about it, you know, if it's, if it's curved or anything else, like they can't see what's on the other side of it. And so dogs are like, why would I ever go through that? I'm like, I have no idea what's over there. So like, you got to start with the tunnel, like shrunk down and everything. And you can see through the other side and just get them used to like, Hey, it's okay to go through. And then you can extend out the tunnel, the more they do it. And um, it's lots of rewards and things. So, but yeah, I said, usually if you get them started on, um, if you get them started into a club or something like that, most people, especially in, in the groups that I've been a part of, they're very, very willing to help and, and teach and, um, you know, show you say, okay, this is, this is how you would apply or this is how you would sign up for an event, um, or anything like that too. And so once you go to do a trial or something, once they're over that 15 month age, um, then you can, you can, um, start doing some of those things a little bit more. Yeah, that's really cool. Well, we're getting the, to the end of our time limit because mm -hmm. neither of us are bougie enough to have regular zoom. <laughs> I know a lot of vets offices don't use them and me working at Trader Joe's, I do not use zoom for work at all. <laughs> but thank you so much for coming on. Um, and thanks to Tom for sending your name my way. Um, I feel like a lot of listeners are going to get a lot out of this podcast. Um, if they have any questions, can they reach out to your office at all? Are you taking new? Clients? Yeah, we're, we're always taking new clients. Um, so we, we would be available for that. Um, I know we're just like every other clinic where we're booked out at least a distance for, for some things, but stuff where animals are sick or anything along those lines, they can, um, you know, we can always try and work them into, um, it just depends, but, uh, you know, I said, we're, we're always taking new clients and everything. Um, as far as reaching out to me and everything, um, you know, I would be okay with that. I don't think my clinic knows that I, I volunteered for this. So, um, they may be a little bit confused to be honest, um, uh, about, about, um, what they're asking about, but uh, yeah, if they, if people have questions, I'm always willing to chat with them about stuff. So, um, they can always leave a message and everything. I can try and get back to them. All right. Well, thanks so much, Amanda. You're very welcome. All right, let's see. And that's a wrap. If you want to write to us, reach out to me on Facebook or Instagram at run402 the podcast. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you out there. This episode is brought to you by the Anchor app. Anchor by Spotify is the platform we use to record this podcast. It's very easy to use. I'm not a tech savvy person. And if I can figure it out, anyone can. So if you're interested in hosting your own podcast, may I recommend you the Anchor app.